Hey, and welcome back to One Take Wonder with the Hot Weird Girl. I'm the Hot Weird Girl in question, Alexia. You can find me on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Hot Weird Girl. That's girl with a zero instead of an I. And this week's episode is something that I've really been dying to talk about, influencer relatability. As always, I love when you guys reach out to me via DMs. And this is a really special episode because we're joined by you guys on live, which is something that I've only done once before. But it was one of the most fun episodes that I've ever recorded. It was polyamory and predestination. So I thought I'd do it again for this little Monday night. New episodes come out every Monday night, but late Monday night. It's like a late night special that makes your Monday better. So let's get into it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I think the internet right now is very transfixed on this idea or this era of relatability, right? And I really think this harks back to the early 2000s when everything was so obviously contrived and yet it was so secretive about it. You know what I mean? So you had Victoria's Secret models who were insisting that they eat pizza. And we're going to come back to models eating pizza when we talk about Bella Hadid. Um, You know, magazines that would deny that their poreless, skinty models were ever airbrushed in some way, despite the models themselves coming out and saying, you know, there's no way that we have those human proportions. And so I think as we approach this YouTube social media era, people really fell in love with this idea of seeing the authentic version. My issue with the demand for authenticity is that I think it's so often rooted in negativity. And I think that there's a couple of situations going around the internet, particularly as women talk about their negative experience with their baby fathers, whether that's you've been hearing about the random girl from Atlanta discourse. And let me just say this, we're not talking about the random girl from Atlanta, but just that you know what I'm talking about. There's a young single mom who's made jokes for months that she got pregnant by from some quote unquote random man from Atlanta. This week, his identity gets revealed. The baby mamas that he's collected like infinity stones are now coming forward and telling their part. Surprise, surprise. He looks like the SpongeBob character that hides pickles under his mouth and people are think piecing it to death. And if you tuned into last week's episode, then you know how I feel about extracting random life and relationship advice from, you know, random people's Um, romantic encounters or even celebrities relationship stories. And then there's also the YouTuber Arnell Armin, who's talking about the experience that she had with her baby father. And unfortunately for her, like, you know, in her own YouTube blog that she just posted, it didn't go so well. He's kind of a jerk. And people are praising this for being authentic and real. And it just It kind of reminded me of something that I noticed a few months ago, which is authenticity is always something that is negative. People balk and get really angry at this idea that you can be authentically happy and that somehow people being um, authentic always has to be your worst moments. And when I say that people always want authenticity to be negative, what I mean is 
People have adopted that phrase, all that glitters isn't gold, as a cope. I think it's important that people learn that obviously everything on social media is, you know, hyper edited and that people only post their highlight reels. But I think those lessons should be saved for children. I don't know that it's the responsibility of everyone else to mitigate the fact that you're 29 and still have a hard time grappling with the fact that people are never going to post themselves sobbing about a breakup on Insta. Okay, well, some people do, but most people won't in the same way they'll post about, you know, my boyfriend got me a beautiful gift for Valentine's Day. And I think that there's this, people just get really angry once they realize that they can't that they don't feel privy to the negative part. Or when it comes to our influencers, people feel legitimately angry that they don't get the bad parts of an influencer's lives. And I've seen so many influencers and celebrities again and again and again fall into this trap where in order to feel like they're connecting with their audience, they expose their lowest moments on live, online. Um, And then it backfires on them. And so I brought up those two women with the baby father situation because now by being vulnerable on the internet and trying to find community and commiserate with other women who I think have been victim to the sort of manipulation, and even if you argue that there was no manipulation, what happened to them, in which case, I don't know why your pity for them is reserved, but whatever, um, you can still argue that they ended up in a bad position, which is single motherhood with an absolute deadbeat and a man that has a long history of being cruel to you because both the women that I mentioned, Arnell Armin and the girl who's um, Morgan, whose baby daddy is the random man in Atlanta, have spoken at length publicly online about how cruel that man was. And instead of taking that information and commiserating with them, people use that relatability to turn their life into a TikTok Bravo show. I mean, I literally, um, in getting ready to make this video kind of scrolled past and was like, like people were talking about it, like it was entertainment, but people don't look at the positives in your life as an entertainment. They want to think peace you, they want to make you negative. And again, coming into this idea that like celebrities and how, well, let me backpedal a little bit. I don't think that anything is ever going to replace the modern celebrity, kind of as evidenced by the fact that even though we love our influencers, whenever make it, whenever an influencer makes it really big, they achieve celebrity status or celebrity-like status in the way that like while the influencer still kind of needs to interact with their fans for engagement, you can tell that an influencer has really made it when they only post content like at their whim and they get very selective with fan engagement in the same way that a celebrity has to be strategically selective with who they interact with. Because if you have hundreds of thousands of people in your DMs every day, you know, you can only reply to them a couple times a week. Whereas an influencer who's trying to get big and is like starving for the detention is going to do everything in their power possible to build a connection. And that's a subtle jab at myself because like I said, I am on live and I am, you know, trying to build that audience of very cool people. Um, But I do think that our interest in celebrities' personal lives has really been supplemented by our interest in influencer personal lives. And I think 
while that's something that's been degrading for a while, I think the pandemic highlighted that simply because there were so many inequities between us and the people seeing, singing John Legend's Imagines from the comfort of our mansions, right? Like um, Gal Gadot and Ellen saying, oh, it's so hard to quarantine on my multi-acre property that has a bowling alley, a swimming pool, and also staff that are still coming to clean my house every day in the midst of a global pandemic, one which we didn't even understand the effects of at the time of, you know, March 2020. And then, you know, you have some people cooped up in a 600-foot apartment who are too scared to go see their family. God forbid they give grandpa COVID and then he dies before Thanksgiving. So I think that sort of interest in like their baby daddies and their custody battles and what are they doing really waned. And I think now from celebrities, we just kind of expect them to literally do the job that they're famous for, put on cute outfits and go. But that insatiable nebbiness, and that's a real Pittsburgh word for being nosy, that insatiable nebbiness that we have to get in other people's business, I think we do that with the influencer because they seem more palatable and relatable. Although one thing about influencers is when you look at the history of who's always gotten famous, it's always been people that sort of come from a very unattainable place of wealth, right? Like the first mommy bloggers were not, you know, single moms. They weren't middle-class moms. They were already like very well-off women who had the time and quite frankly, the money to outsource their labor so that they could spend hours a day blogging, which is why they got so big in the first place, because you do need to have disposable time and disposable time is almost as big of a deal as disposable money to invest in your hobbies and projects and in order to curate this idea of, you know, perfect motherhood. So I, I wouldn't argue that the OG influencers, as we think about them, have ever been relatable, but they really thrived off of this idea of relatability. And then I think therein comes the demand for wanting that negativity to be relatable because, again, these people are only posting the highlight reels, the things that are good, and it can become frustrating. You're a person who looks like me, talks like me, acts like me, and yet you are not going through the same ups and downs. And so in order to maintain and cultivate this audience, they really needed to like start posting negativity about their lives. And I will just say from the background, a lot of the things that people are telling you about the negativity, like it's very contrived and handpicked. Like I think very few people are very few content creators. I think regular people go to the internet with their worst moments all the time because they're desperate and they're seeking comfort. I think people who understand branding and long-term impact on the internet know which details would be fine to release but would not be too harmful. But the thing is, is people are not asking you to be relatable so that they feel soothed. They want to take joy in your misery in the same way that people's dirty secret is taking joy in tabloids because you're someone, influencers, especially those who do lifestyle influencing or who make their entire branding having a perfect life, even people who have somewhat chaotic, and I say that with finger quotes, lives still look more like perfect than yours. Um, I don't know. Like people want that. They want to delight in it. And I also think that people 
can't handle the truth about celebrity relatability, which is why they switch to influencer. For example, that um, what I threw out earlier about Victoria's Secret models eating pizza. At the beginning of this year, Bella Hadid made some ludicrous comment that she loves pizza and she eats it all the time. Bella Hadid is fucking tiny and it is not likely that she's A, eating pizza all the time, or B, eating pizza in the way that you and I would consume pizza. And I say this as a person who used to be very, very skinny because I was on an appetite suppressant um, for my ADHD, or rather the ADHD medication gave me the side effect of appetite suppression. And it's just when you're a certain size, unless it's a metabolic disorder, a hormonal thing, like most of the time, it's just a reflection of how little you're eating. And as someone who was Bella Hadid size at one time, it's really just because she's not consuming that many calories. And so the amount of calories that even a small slice of pizza is, it's not likely. Or she's just doing that really disordered thing where you like take a bite and then don't eat the rest of it. Anyway, the point is, is that people got really, really angry and they were like, of course she doesn't eat pizza. And it's like, you would be furious if she told you that she was likely eating fish, like, you know, lean proteins and vegetables, and even then engaging in a very strenuous workout routine designed to burn more than she eats and designed to make sure that she's only loaded up on protein and vegetables so that her cells are nourished, but also that she's not, you know, maintaining any body fat. Like that would give outrage. And I think we see that outrage whenever influencers talk about how they maintain their beauty. Like I saw some girl, it's a trend right now on TikTok to talk about your maintenance routine. And so many girls whose job it is to be pretty and hot on the internet are like, hey, these are all 60 steps I do to maintain myself. And people are like, well, that's too much. That probably is too much for you because your everyday job doesn't boil down to people being envious of your looks on the internet. So I think it's a weird relationship for content creators to strike you know what i mean where they try to go the relatability thing but then i always think it has the potential to blow up in your face and ultimately again what i said people will just delight in the negativity so it's like was it even worth it to be that vulnerable and that open on the internet because i think that you are more likely to elicit sympathy when you are just some random girl crying than you are like a big content creator because there isn't that like jealousy and envy and these unrealistic expectations set and i think influencers will always have this problem because again they're not as distinctly separated from the everyday population as a celebrity. So they'll always kind of evoke the ire that like that really pretty girl in middle school did. And this is why I personally feel so strongly against putting certain details of my life on the internet. Not that I have a problem with putting my thoughts out there and people critique them because if you're one of the people who's watching on live right now, then you know that I made a video where I misspoke and I opened up some really negative criticism. So I immediately took it down because I got checked in by some of my mutuals. And I think that's just part of putting your thoughts on the internet and putting yourself out there. But I think it's another thing to open up like my siblings, my parents, um, my friends, my boyfriend on the internet about palpability. And I'm so interested in this topic because it was that Coco girl, you know, who has like the soft whisper. She should really do ASMR. 
I'm addicted to ASMR. This is my confession. I've been listening to ASMR since I was 12 and they were just called whisper videos. And it was that Lita girl. And please, if you know who I'm talking about, please hit me up in the DM because I have so much to talk to you about. But I, I really, she was predicting about how the newest influencers are going to be relatable, relatable. And I really think it's going to blow up in your face. Like, I think there is so much to lose by putting so much of your personal life out there to a platform of people that ultimately want, that will ultimately look at your life, feel jealous, and then pull up your worst moments again and again and again, just to feel better about themselves. And I, I don't know, I think that's something to think about, even if you're not a content creator, just thinking about, you know, like you wouldn't whisper your most intimate secrets to a loose acquaintance, a loose acquaintance who you suspect somewhat hates you, right? So why would you tell people, oh, my painting just fell off the wall, who somewhat hate you? At the same time of saying that influencers don't owe us relatability, I think it's important to evaluate what they do owe us because I think people are entitled to have their secrets, right? Like you don't have to tell me that you're so pretty because you got a nose job. You do have to tell me that you have a BBL when you're trying to sell me a workout course. And you know what? You should also tell me if you're African. Guess which dummy purchased a Ghanaian woman's workout course thinking, wow, my ass is going to be huge. Imagine my shock, my horror, when I discovered a meme that said you never purchase a workout set, or workout advice from an African woman. And then the quote tweet under it was like, especially not a Ghanaian. Yeah, um, my ass didn't really grow and hers grew in the video because her shit is naturally fat, which I can openly say, deeply jealous, deeply upset, also upset that I paid for that. You should tell someone that. Like that's, I think influencers only have to tell us about the procedures or extra lifestyle thing when they're trying to sell you something, right? And, and I think that goes for both negative and positive. Like if you've had a really messed up relationship with food, I do not want to buy a diet plan from you. And I think that you should disclose that or really do the ethical thing and perhaps say like, I don't know that I can give proper eating advice. If you know that, um, you know, you've had all of these modifications and that's why your body looks the way it does, you know, don't sell a workout course. But I think the rest of what we demand from influencers, you know, explaining, well, oh, and the last thing. And I think you should say the stuff that you're disclosing is an ad. You know, like, don't tell me to go buy a bathing suit or a product and not disclose that it's an ad. I'm not just saying that because it's an FTC regulation. But everything else I really think is their business. And I really think it's the adult viewer's discretion to say like this information, like like you have to do some level of self-soothing that these like, these influencers can't give you. But I do think it's reasonable to demand some level of transparency, but I don't need to know why your boyfriend left you. 
if that makes sense. As always, I would love your feedback on this episode. And I would also love um, if you're interested on coming on the podcast anytime, especially, you know, I've had so many good conversations with you guys in the DMs. I would love to do a podcast episode where I take little snippets of interviews I do with people who are big fans of the podcast and who are always writing in and kind of stitch them together just because I think you know, this podcast has really helped by my ability to talk to people about my thoughts and ideas. And I would love for that to be reflected. And I'm working on my editing skills a little bit. So I think that I could actually put it together. So if you are interested, hit me up on at Hot Weird Girl. I'm the most responsive via Instagram DMs. You can also find me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. As always, new episodes come out late Monday night. It's like the late night show, but better. Love you. See you next week.